0: So we just sang uh, 10,000 Reasons, right? Um, And one of the lines in 10,000 Reasons is, um, For all your goodness I will keep on singing. You know, 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. um, God is good, and and for all of his goodness we could think of 10,000 reasons to to sing. Chiefly he is good uh, because he has given us his son Jesus. He has met our, our greatest need, you know, there's something wrong with each and every one of us, as far as the Bible is concerned. It's our sin, um, and God has reached down into our lives. For for anyone who is here, who embraces Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is only because God's goodness has initiated with you. He has reached into your heart. He has opened the eyes of your heart, um, and He brings us into relationship with Himself. But it doesn't just stop there. You know, our life with God isn't just our relationship with Jesus. God's intention is that his word would shape the entirety of our life, not only our relationship with him. That when he brings us into relationship with him, his intention is that his word would function kind of like a grid or a pair of, of eyeglasses that, that would shape how we look at everything in our lives from, from our relationships, uh, whether it's dating and marriage, to our relationships at, at, in, in the home or in the workplace or so on and so forth and um, You know, the Bible also shapes our work, but also our leisure and our rest and all sorts of other things. Um, And God says that if we walk with him, which is is his intention for us, um, if we walk with him and, and if we follow his ways that he has set out in this Bible that function again as the spectacles, the eyeglasses for our lives, that we will flourish best in life. My question is, are you flourishing right now? Do you feel like you are the best you? You know, you've made it. I mean, come in college. I study, I contribute, I'm doing it all. Life is good. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I know for my own students, I hear a lot of, man, I'm just so tired. You know, I feel kind of overwhelmed right now. I probably bit off more than I could chew this semester. Didn't really mean to, but I did, and here I am. My contention is that we have a, a lot of a lot of students, whether you're a Christian or not, who we're kind of keeping up the best we can. We're, we're kind of you know flying by the seat of our pants. Uh, we don't really have a grid that we're living by. We're just kind of waking up every morning and hoping we get to the you know to our pillow at night. You you may or may not feel that. So my hope uh, is tonight and tomorrow morning to talk a little bit about work. And I like to tell a lot of stories because it's fun for me to talk about this sort of thing. Because I'm terrible at it too. I really mean it. It's really funny to me that I get to talk about this stuff because I'm the worst. I don't get enough sleep. I stay up entirely too late at night. And inevitably morning guy can't stand night guy. Right? Morning guy is the one waking up and going, you didn't get enough sleep because night guy kept me up all night. It's the same prayer. He lives inside of me. <laughs> but we're like that. We're all schizophrenic in this sort of way, right? So here's what I'm going to do um, for tonight. We are going to read just a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to refer back to these. You can look if you want. You don't have to. Um, Genesis chapter 2 Um Let's see, I'm going to. The last verse of chapter 1, chapter 131, Genesis 2, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 15. You can listen, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start into this thing called work. And those three things mainly it's necessity, it's calling, and it's sometimes the drudgery. We feel that though, right? It feels like a drudge. God's Word, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Well, can you imagine? All their vast, how beautiful it must have been. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Will you all pray with me real quick? This is God's word. Father, we need your help um, for understanding. Um, We need your help to calm our hearts. Uh, There's got to be at least a handful in the room tonight that feel very much what I just mentioned. Um, A want of flourishing a, a lack of flourishing in life of enjoying life of of having a better balance that we feel like slips out of our grasp sometimes so lord would you please help us and shape us give us your biblical grid to see our lives through and we pray this in jesus name amen tim Guy named Tim, you never forget. Some of you in a moment are going to know exactly what I'm talking about, but if there is a person or people who have rubbed you the wrong way, you just, you never forget. You might forgive and you might have moved on, but you just don't forget. So it is still with me and this guy, Tim, who was one of my co workers in my first job that I ever had out of college. I studied human resources. When I graduated from college, I was thinking that I might go into ministry, but I had no idea how people got jobs in ministry because the church I grew up in didn't talk about that sort of thing, so I did the next thing. I actually used my major. Never thought I would, you know, but as God would have it, (laughs) Ross, my first job, University of Alabama at Birmingham, handing out job applications at the front desk. I went through the drudgery of that Sort of the humiliation of having my four-year degree. I was ready to conquer the world of human resources. And don't you know, there I was at the front desk. They made me wear a tie to hand out job applications at the front desk. Most unfair. Most unjust. Yet there I was, labored in that job for about a year before I got finally, I'm going to come back to this toward the end, so I can complain some more, because that's always fun and what you want to hear is what you came to fall conference for. But then I got bumped up, finally a job that required a four year degree in the employee benefits office. And I was there for about two and a half years, a total of a little over three years, but at about the two year mark or two and a half year mark, they hired Tim. And Tim had the same job as me. We were benefits counselors. You know, we talked to the employees about uh, their, empl- their uh, all their employee benefits, uh, retirement plans, you know, family medical leave act. You know, all, all these things. Very exciting, right? I was loving it. <laughs> okay, uh, I was especially loving it when Tim came on. And there was something about him. I just didn't think I could trust him. Turns out I couldn't. And I didn't catch it at first, you know, one of those moments where you get duped, you know, you get fooled, taken for the fool, and you realize it after the fact, and you kind of go, wait a second, you see what Tim was doing, he was a manipulator, and he could come in, and he would kind of play stupid, like, I'm the new guy, I don't know how to use all these forms, and you're like, oh, well, let me help you, and he's like, oh, I've got to go get this call, and before you know it, you've done like 30 minutes worth of Tim's work. And he would do that, like, to me and to, like, somebody else. And then I was at lunch with one of my coworkers one day, and they were like, yeah, so Tim stopped by and did this. And I'm like, hang on. Tim stopped by my office, too. And all of a sudden, our eyes were opened, you know, at the evil of Tim. Now, during this whole time, I did figure out that I felt like God was calling me to ministry. So I ended up moving to St. Louis. But prior to that, I had a month left. And if anybody... Part of being a benefits counselor is if anybody changes jobs, and um, if, whether it's lateral or an upward movement or whatever, it comes across our desks. Wouldn't you know, Tim had like an upcoming job change, and I was like two weeks away from leaving to move to go to seminary. Turns out Tim got a raise and like a promotion. And an increase in his salary of how much? Oh, that's right, because I still remember. It's $10,000 a year. A $10,000 a year pay increase for work that he mostly really didn't do. It was the worst. And I thought, work is the worst? This is terrible. Good thing I'm going to seminary because I'm going to get away from all this crap, right? Now, some of you have had those jobs and you've had those co-workers, And some of you are looking forward to work, which I think you should, honestly, and hopefully by the time I finish tonight and tomorrow morning, you will be very much more looking forward to your work. There's a lot of thoughts that we have, uh, oftentimes shaped by the world around us and not exactly shaped by the scriptures. Um, I know that was a big, long story, but it sure is a fun story to tell. (laughs) So what I want to do is sort of at a foundational level talk about what work is, uh, why we need it, um, and something about the calling and drudgery that it, uh, that, that it is, the calling that God has for our work. Um, and sometimes, like I just talked about, the hard parts about it, you know, and how we can think about those things, okay? Uh, so what is work? I mean, if, if you're the type, you can write stuff down. If not, that's fine, too. Um, I'm not always the type to look back over stuff I wrote down anyway. So I hope you take away at least, like, two main ideas from this whole weekend, you know, and maybe a good funny story that I told you. Okay? So work in my mind, just a simple definition, it's just labor. Um, it is uh, sometimes a, re- a required labor. It's, it's a labor that, uh, that sometimes you receive a wage for if you think about jobs and things like that. But there's other types of work too, right? Uh, there's work in the home of like you have to do laundry, you have to mow your lawn. Like that is, that's work as well. Right, um, so work can be labor. Um, some some refer to it. Uh, one author, Tim Keller. Uh, some of you guys have heard of him. He's sort of a well-known pastor, author, writer person. Uh, some of my students have never heard of the guy, so that's why I say that. Um, so you're not alone if you've never heard of him. But he wrote a book called uh, Every Good Endeavor, and it's sort of his treatise on on work and a biblical view of work and a theology of work. And, and he says work is every good endeavor because in in, in his his eyes and in the Bible's eyes, work is actually a good thing, you know. Even though there are the tens of the world that we might have to deal with in the workplace, and it can be hard sometimes, at the end of the day, uh, work is a good gift from God. And we know that because in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, where we read that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, that happened before sin had ever entered into the world. So before sin had come in and wrecked everything and, and tainted everything and broken everything, that means work in and of itself was a good thing. And it was a gift uh, to God's creatures, to Adam and Eve. And it's a good gift to us as well. Um, another way that you could think about work, if you want to uh, you know, think about it in terms of a definition, you could think of it as like, you know, my work is my way of making a difference in the world. You know, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, but just as an example, um, you know, some people, as you think about what you're studying and who you're becoming uh, in in your respective field and whatnot, um, uh, you might have thoughts of like, I want to make a difference in the world. Um, now, the optimist among you, the the optimistic person is going, yeah, I want to make a difference. You know, and the pessimist is like, come on, people don't really make differences anymore. You know, the world's going to hell and the rest of us with it, you know. Well, Eeyore, like, you can leave. Like, you can, that's fine. That's your attitude. You know, you might need to, we should talk. Um... But you can make a difference in the world, and I think God has it for his people to make a difference in the world. We can see your work as that. It might be hard sometimes, but that doesn't mean you're not making a difference. I have a couple of students who just as students, I didn't realize like people thought like this. Maybe some of you think like this. Sean and Blake got to know each other, one's from Kansas City, the other's from Chicago. And they came up with this idea that sometime this fall, they are going to start what they call a brain trust. Um, I was <laughs> like, okay, A am brain trust. Please tell me more. Um, and so they said, uh, we just want to get together with some other, you know, just like-minded people um, who see the world and the things that are wrong with it. And we want to change that and make it better. And we don't exactly know how or whatever, but the first step is just getting together and talking about it. You know, so that's one thing they wanted to do. And, and I don't know how that's going to apply to their major in school and things like that. But they wanted to do that. And then there's this other guy named Andrew that just started graduate school a year ago. A year ago. And Andrew is arguably one of the smartest students that we've ever had at Mizzou, that I've known through our UF at Mizzou. And um, he's in grad school right now finding ways uh, to improve drinking water for third world countries. Um, and he spent a summer, like, immersed uh, uh, in another culture, learning their language and everything so that in another year when he finishes graduate school, he can go and do that thing. You know, because he, he wants to make a difference in the world. Uh, he, he wants to, in other words, push back uh, the, the curse of sin, the, the brokenness that sin brings into our world, you know. And, and, and we can do that too. You can do that too. Now, if that's what work is, why do we do it, you know? Many of us would just say, well, that's just what you do. You know, you finish high school. If you go to college, then you go to college. After you go to college, what do you do? You get a job. You start working. It's just what we do. Why? Well, because life and adulting and bills to pay and rent to pay and things like that. We have to have a job so we can earn a wage, so we can support ourselves, so we can live in God's world. Now, all of that is true but there's certainly other reasons why we work too. We work because we are creatures and we have a Heavenly Father who is a creator. And our creator who intends for us not only to know him but to walk with him and to walk in his ways. He intends for us to, to mimic him or imitate him in all that he does and has done. And so even though it's just a couple of verses out of the Bible, you know, we are to imitate God in, in the way that he works. In chapter 1 verse 31 of Genesis he says God saw all that he had made and said that it was very good. In uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 and 3 um, God rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Uh, he is a God who works and one who rests. We're going to get to the rest part as well. But, but chiefly from the outset as the work of creation is put on display the Bible describes this God as one who works. Uh, sometimes it can be easy to think of God as the one who just sits up on the, in, the, in the heavens and just kind of, you know, turned the clock and lets it all go. Well, no, he, he, he worked back then. He created everything. And actually, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that the Father works and, and, and he is, in fact, still working. That just because God made everything, He didn't just stop and let it all go. God is very much involved in the life of His creation. In John chapter 5, I think it's verse 17. It is. John chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at His work to this very day. And I too am working. Um, Jesus you know, explaining to his followers that, that God isn't this, this one who's far off and who's let everything go. No, he is intimately at work with his creation. Okay, so where are we now? We've defined what work is. we talked about why we work. Uh, it's necessary. We have to have it to pay bills. We work because our Heavenly Father works. Another reason, and I think this is like the kicker for me when I read this uh, in Tim Keller's really helpful book, we, we work because we need it. We work because we need it. We need it. Uh, it, It's sort of a foundational part of our being. Um, This was the first time I had ever heard somebody say this, and I'm just going to read this part for you, and I really want you to listen closely because it's really, really helpful, and it will really, really change the way you think about work, I think. Tim Keller writes this. He says, Work is so foundational to our makeup, who we are as creatures, that it is one of few things we can take in significant doses without harm. It's so foundational to our makeup of who we are as human beings that we, it's, it's one of few things we can take in in significant or big doses without harm. Indeed, the Bible does not say we should work one day and rest six or that, we should, or, or that work and rest should be balanced evenly, you know, four days and three days or three days and four days. No, not that. But it directs us to the opposite ratio. In other words, we're supposed to work six days and rest one. Leisure and pleasure are great goods, but we can only take so much of them. And in a moment, I'm going to tell you a really interesting story about that. We can only take so much of leisure and of pleasure. If you ask people in nursing homes or hospitals how they are doing, you will will often hear their main regret is that they wish they had something to do, some way to be useful to others. The loss of work is deeply disturbing because we were designed for it. You ever thought about that? You, 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 You were designed to be a worker, to imitate your Heavenly Father, so much so that you can take it in, in great amounts and it's not going to do you, do you any harm. Now, on the flip side, the opposite is true. If, if you take in leisure and pleasure in significant doses, it actually can do harm, right? If, if, you've, if you've, you know, gone on... <laughs> this, this, this is where it, it just sounds funny to hear myself talk. Um, if you've gone on a rager for like a weekend... Right? Call it what you want—a um, rager, a bender, whatever it is. A, you had a big party from like Thursday night to to Monday morning. You don't feel too good, and your life just doesn't go too well, right? That was my whole freshman year of college. Not usually Friday to, to Monday or Thursday to Monday, but probably three to four nights out of the week I was I was out, which goes to show you, like you too could become a college campus minister. <laughs> Um, which is why I still think it's funny that I get to be the one up here talking to you. Um, but God's mercy is is far greater than all of our sin, uh, and and praise His name, He found me. Um, but I, I can relate if if you're the type if you like to go, you know, have a beverage or. Twelve, uh, you know, because I did, but but then God started to show me the emptiness of my own heart, um, and, and He showed me the fullness of Jesus' love. So I hope that that's part of your story too. Um, however, uh, if you've taken too much leisure, you just can't you, you can't do it anymore. Like I don't even, I'll even put it this way: um, my wife and I were treated to a fancy vacation um, a little bit over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. Some friends of ours who have money the likes that we don't have, treated us to a sailing trip for seven and a half days in the British Virgin Islands. By day five, we were ready to come home. I can't believe I'm hearing myself say that when we were on the boat with like the crystal clear waters. and the, oh, That's right, the, the sea turtle like 10 feet away from me while we were snorkeling. Um, and just all the beauty galore. Like how could anybody want to leave that? But by day five, we were so out of our usual structure of life that we just kind of were like, I'm just kind of ready to get back to my life. I'm 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 ready to to be in our home together, and I'm I'm ready to get back to my students and, you know, or, or plan my summer and, and and write my sermons and and you know my wife's a physical therapist at the local hospital and she was ready to see her patients. We had greatly enjoyed our leisure, but it was kind of like, man, we're just we're just kind of done. I know that sounds crazy. It felt crazy to be saying it on day five in the middle of the British Virgin Islands. Like, oh man. But it's just true. In in that regard, we need work. It provides a, a, a substance or a structure for us that without it, what would we do? And some of you are like, well, I can think of a million things that I would rather do. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, we all have those days. But if you were like month after month, year after year, even if you were independently wealthy, you know, you'd either be bored out of your mind or you'd go crazy. Because to some degree, work even, you need it not just for the structure that it provides of working the 40-hour week or whatever. If you've ever thought about it like this, it gets you around people. Like let's say you're the one who took the job for uh, you know, just a short time and then you decided to like leisure and pleasure. That's my life now. Well, everybody else is going to be at work. And you're not. And like you won't have any friends. I mean, it's kind of interesting, but have you ever really thought about it? Like, the world does not function without it. You know, we need it. Um, We were designed for it, Tim Keller says, and actually we were, to imitate our Heavenly Father in it. Um, God actually calls us to it. Um, the, the, the part about calling and, and God uh, you know, calling us to, to, to work, uh, I guess I just want to be clear. I, I certainly don't think that God has it in terms of calling. Some of us have heard people say that like, you know, it's, 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 it's the pastors of the churches and it's the ministry workers and it's the missionaries. Like, They're the ones called. I'm just a teacher. Or I'm just an engineer, or I'm just a barista, or whatever your favorite thing to say is in that sentence. Um, uh, you know, I'm just that. No, 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 no. It's not that at all. Um, all work is is valuable to the Lord. Um, all work has has meaning and dignity in it. There's a guy uh, named Tom Nelson that wrote this book called Work Matters. And he said it this way. He said a proper and biblical understanding is that all Christians are called to full-time Christian work. He put that in quotes. To full-time Christian work. And this is what he means. Doing good work well for the glory of God regardless of your respective vocation. Doing... Full-time Christian work means doing good work well for the glory of God regardless of your vocation. It means that like the campus ministers and, you know, you pastor of your church or the missionary that you know who you really respect. And man, they're so godly. It's not that they're the ones called to ministry. If, if you're a Christian and you bear the name of Jesus on your soul, you know, God has called you to full-time Christian work too. And what that means is just representing him well in the workplace. I'm going to talk about that part tomorrow. but uh, That's a really fun one to talk about. So y'all come back. Okay. Um, but that's God's intention. He is you know, God has gifted all sorts of people for all sorts of different things. That actually was one of the best takeaways from my job in, in human resources. Because I got to meet all sorts of people who came to work at UAB. And I met everybody from the janitor to the physician's assistant to the researcher who just came over from China. you know, And everybody in between. It was fascinating to see the, the, the variety of gifts and talents. And even when I stand up here and I get to look at all of you, I can't imagine what all of you are studying. And how God is shaping you and how he's going to use you in your respective vocations wherever he places you. Because that's where this is going. Believe it or not, all of this is going somewhere, right? That's where this is going. Now, um, if that's what work is, if, it, if we need it, if it's a calling, uh, why does it have to be so hard? You know? Why, why some, not always, but why sometimes? the some, Why is it sometimes a drudgery? Um, quite simply, uh, after God gave it to Adam and Eve as a good gift, placed them in the garden to work it, after Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate the fruit from, from the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, this is what we read about Adam and his work. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and following. Um, God tells Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat of your food. You will return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This whole idea that work which was once good and a delight to Adam is now a drudge. It's hard. He's working by the sweat of his brow now. So what that means is uh, on large scale, all of our work is tainted. It's touched by the curse of sin now. And so there's going to be some parts of it that are hard. And difficult and painful, and there's going to be other parts of it uh, that are actually fulfilling. It's it's kind of a mixture of our lives, right? Even outside of our work, we can all name things uh, that that we enjoy that are also touched by the the curse of sin. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. Um, I saw this uh, well in a couple of ways. Um, you know, work can be hard because things can just plain go wrong. Uh, And then work can be hard because things, uh, you know, people just go wrong, Um, you know, kind of like Tim in the workplace, a guy who went wrong, couldn't stand it, he made my work hard and painful. Um, uh, Sometimes things just go wrong or they don't go right, you know, I mean I was handing out job applications at the front desk, right, and um, even when a salaried job that required a four year degree was available, Tammy got hired, right. Uh, And and like I said, (laughs) boy, you never forget. Tammy got hired. Tammy, who did have a four-year degree, but it was in like, it wasn't human resources like my degree was, right? But because Tammy was friends with Shay, Tammy got the job. And I absolutely could not believe it. Because I had been working there for like six and a half, seven months already. But Tammy got the job. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. That was God's role for me. That was his plan for me. And it turns out it was good and it all worked out in the end. But at that moment I was like, work is the worst. Right? Now, with that in mind, a couple of things uh, to tell you if you view work as a drudge. Maybe for your future self. You take that first job out of college. You have high expectations. You're going to change the world. You're going to kill it out there, right? And it turns out in the first three months, you're like, oh, man, this is not what I had expected. Stick it out. Your first inclination is going to be to, like, run for the hills and find another job. Do not run for the hills and find another job. Stick it out. You can do anything for one year within reason. I mean, you know, if you're you're like, you know... Uh, if, if, if you're if you're constantly getting picked on by coworkers, you know whatever. You know, take it with a grain of salt what I'm saying, but stay in that job for a year, maybe even two. For the for one thing, it looks good on your resume. This is my free life advice for you. Okay. Um, for one thing, it looks good on your resume, and for another thing, you're likely to build relationships in the workplace um, that would not have come about if you had left after three months. Um, and for another thing. Um, a workplace that can be hard uh, needs light, you know, uh, and, and the, the scriptures say that the followers of Jesus are the light of Christ. And so sometimes to be a light and a dark place, uh, you might just have to endure it for a while. Now, if you've ever seen uh, the, the movie Up in the Air, if you haven't, you should see it. It's a pretty good flick. Uh, it is rated R though, so don't tell your parents if They don't allow you to watch Reddit. I'm joking. (laughs) Man, my parents don't know what I watch, Ross. You don't know what I watch. Watch what I want. I'm in college. up in the air George Clooney's in it and George Clooney plays the role of this guy his job is to go around and fire people basically when companies have like major layoffs he's the one that gets called in and he's sitting across the table in this one scene from this guy who's worked at this company for I don't know 16, 17 years and he's like complaining he's like how am I going to pay for my daughter's medication that's going to be great when she can't breathe because of her asthma and all this stuff and George Clooney looks at this guy and he says how much did they first pay you to give up on your dreams and the guy says what are you talking about and he says well i'm looking at your resume right here and it says here that your first job was working at a french restaurant as a busboy and he he deduced just from that that this guy had aspirations to like go to cooking school and do all this stuff but he gave it up for this sort of this dead-end job Um, but he ended up staying in that job longer than he should have Um, so what i'm saying to you is while i am telling you Stay in a job that might be hard for a year, maybe two, right? But if there comes a time for you to get out, get out. Go find something else. Work doesn't have to be like your lifelong drudgery, right? There might be something else that you had in mind that you thought you could do, but for whatever reason the timing wasn't right or what have you, but the timing now could be right and there could be ways to do it. Okay, we're going to stop there. Quick recap. If you're the type, you can write these things down. What we talked about tonight, you need work. You need it at a foundational level because you were designed for it. Okay? You need work. God has called you to it. It can be hard. You'll figure it out. And tomorrow morning we're going to get to you'll figure it out. We'll get to that part tomorrow morning. Okay? Y'all bow your heads. Let me pray for us. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and how it shapes us. And I pray, I pray that you would, Lord, change how we see ourselves as workers, as those who imitate you, uh, but also as those whom you call into the workplace to imitate you, uh, to to, to be workers who work for your glory, who sometimes have to endure hard things. But Lord, with you and belonging to you and not to ourselves, you tell us that we can endure um, anything that you place us into. Um, And so I pray that if if anything that I've said here tonight has been a hard word for anyone here, I pray, Lord, that you would soften it a bit and give perspective. um, And that tonight, even as we sleep, you would prepare us for what we're going to talk about tomorrow morning and then tomorrow night. So thank you for the safe travel we've all had. We thank you uh, for your son Jesus, of course, and we pray this in his name. Amen.